Welcome to Making Moves with Matt, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the art of making moves. My name is Matt, just a young buck, 41 countries deep, in my mission to hit every country in the world. Let's get it. Hey y'all, what is up to my fellow move makers? It's your boy Matt. We're back with episode number eight. I can't believe I made it this far, but couldn't have done it without all y'all support and everything. So we got a fun one today reconnecting with a friend with whom i've met i guess two years ago three years ago i don't know we'll talk about that but it's it's a girl that i've been trying to do a collab with you know for a minute she, she's a foodie i'm a traveler we've just been trying to you know get that collab going so with whom do i have the pleasure with speaking with today hey everyone it's katie <laughs> So yeah, we were supposed to collab almost two years ago now. I can't believe it's been so long, um, but it's okay because we're both travelers. We'll meet in a country sometime and you'll come to visit me in Chicago, right? Of course, you know, it's got to get my, my eggs in order and I will, I will be out there and you will, you know, be the tour guide, eh? Of course. And that's when we'll upload our mukbang to the world and become famous. <laughs> okay, let's get it. So before that, so tell me about yourself uh, before we get into how we met. Where are you from? What's your deal? What's your story? Yeah, of course. So I am Chinese American. I was born and raised in Chicago and I majored in earth and environmental science. I have a bachelor's degree in that. Um, I always thought I was going to be a scientist and I always said, oh, I'm never going to work in an office job. But then um, my first job out of college was a corporate HR job. Um, and I really enjoyed that space, but I just always had this itch to travel. So like I mentioned, I'm Chinese American. So my mom is from Guangzhou, China, and we would take annual trips to China. And eventually I would just go on my own. And I thought like, wow, I actually feel, I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm at home in Chicago, but in Asia, I just felt like it's a different type of home feeling. And I was like, I wonder what it would be like to live in Asia. And when COVID hit and everyone went remote, I was feeling real bored at home. <laughs> and my manager was talking to me one day and she's like, something feels really off, Katie, like what's going on? And I think that was the riskiest thing I've ever done in my life. I was just like, I, I think I'm gonna move to Korea. Just, yeah, no warning whatsoever. She was really shocked. I mean, of course I explained myself eventually, but yeah, that started my journey to Korea and I taught there for a year and three months. And now I am back in corporate land, Chicago. Oh, okay. So a lot to unpack <laughs> here. So you mentioned the whole travel itch, the bug, you know, really being instilled in you at an early age. So do you remember when was the first time you did go to China? The first time I went to China, I think I was five or six years old. Um, I barely remember the trip. I mean, I was with my parents, so yeah, that was the first time. And I think we would go maybe about every five or six years. But starting in high school, I started to go almost every single year once school was over on my own. That's awesome. So, and when you would go, were you spending like a month at a time, weeks at a time? Like, was that, what was that like? Oh, no, I would spend about three months there. So for as long as my visa could support. Yep. <laughs> I might as well have lived there part time. Yeah. Okay, so cool, cool. So you... Do you speak uh, Mandarin, Cantonese, what, both? Yeah, so my first language was actually Cantonese. So I did go to ESL until fourth grade because my parents just did not speak to me in English. Um, luckily, I don't think people can tell anymore. I cannot. <laughs> and then, um, perfect. And then in college, I minored in Chinese where I spent about three and a half years learning Mandarin. Um, so my Mandarin is not so great, but I will say Cantonese is my first language. Okay, so even to today, like, it's still your first language kind of thing, like you haven't, you know, speaking all day in English, like it's, you still are, that's your first language kind of thing? Yeah, I will say, I, I think that I consider English and Cantonese my first, just because my thoughts are kind of a mix of English and Cantonese. Um, so I guess that's how I would rate it. That That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, so you really had these worldly experiences at such a young age. And I guess that really planted a seed like, when you were feeling this boredom and COVID, I'm going to Korea. So where, why, why Korea? I guess, cause China was, you know, locked down, I guess at that point, but like, why, why Korea? Why, where you went in Korea? All, let's hear the little, the steps to getting to where you did end up. 
Yeah, of course. So I did have a bit of an interesting environment. So in high school, I went to a high school in the northern suburbs of Chicago. And essentially, a lot of Korean people live there. So ever since my freshman year of high school, I worked part time at a Korean bakery. And I was exposed to so much Korean food. And oh my gosh, I still eat so much Korean food to this day. And it also helped that Korea was the only country that was really accepting foreign teachers and it seemed like the easiest route. But yeah, I've always wanted to go there for vacation, but I thought, you know, why not experience it for a longer period of time? Um, just because I had the opportunity to live in China for three months at a time, I, I tend to make my vacations as long as possible just to kind of get to know the culture and whatnot. Of course. Okay. So then let's fast forward to uh, when do we meet? So I'm trying to remember, I was I was meeting uh, my now girlfriend. Happy two year anniversary, apparently, if you're listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> when this comes out, it won't be two years. But so I think I was meeting her and Pearly was your coworker. And do you remember our first encounter? Because I'm drawing a blank. I feel like I know something, but maybe you could fill me in. Oh my gosh, this is so insane. Well, it's really funny. First of all, happy two years. Um, Thank you. It's really insane that I am talking to you on your two year right now because our other coworkers, um, Sally and Wiley, if you're listening to this, <laughs> they, yeah, we were all at their wedding and they were actually in Chicago for their one year wedding anniversary. So I feel like I am just part of this couple's like anniversaries, <laughs> everyone's anniversaries. <laughs> hey, what's up? It all comes back to you. Okay. Yeah. So meeting you, it was really interesting. I had this like image of you. So Pearly and I were coworkers in Korea. And when we quarantined, we actually shared a wall. We were next door neighbors. And I know she's probably told you, or you saw our like really beautiful views during our quarantine. We had this like balcony that was facing the ocean and it was literally like, like a dream vacation. To, and we were so close to the point where like at one point we stuck our heads out on the balcony and she stuck her head out and we were like face to face. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's quarantine, um, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, so we were just like, we were interacting a lot during the day. We even played music to see how loud it could be before we hear each other. And then she was talking about this guy that she DM'd on Facebook, I Thank think. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Pearly, you did DM him. <laughs> that's what I'm, thank you. I, that's why I brought you on here to confirm that. Thank you, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and she was like, yeah, I don't know. It's really not a big deal. He's out of quarantine. And um, yeah, we've just been talking. I'm like, oh, like like what? Like Snapchat, texting, what is it? And she's like, actually, we were on the phone with each other for like three hours the other day. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like three hours phone call is serious. Like, are you guys, <laughs> like what's going on? And she's like, oh, nothing. Like, I think we're just like, I'm just trying to like learn about Korea and I'm like, yeah, me too, but I'm not talking to anyone for three hours. <laughs> so I was like, mm, that's sus. And I just felt like even afterwards, like you came up almost all the time. At first you were, for our coworkers, you were known as the boy with an actual bathroom. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> because everyone had wet bathrooms, I had a real bath. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you live a little bit further out in the Busan area, so you had a bigger space, and we had these tiny, tiny bathrooms. And she came to us, and she was like, "This guy has a real bathroom. Like, it's so big." <laughs> I was like, "I was like, mm, Matt, the bathroom boy, nice." <laughs> but oh, that's what I am, the bathroom boy. Okay. Yeah, and then I, I was like, I was always very hesitant. I'm like, oh, you know, like. Uh, boys gross right but i met you for the first time and i was like wow this guy's all right okay maybe maybe he's a keeper <laughs> oh just all right okay thank you yeah and that was our first encounter and yeah i guess all of us have been friends since then yeah so i think well the first time we met i think it was did we all go out for drinks or something and i think I think, right? We went for dinner with Selly, Wiley, um, and then we went, I think, was it that night or I'm thinking of another one? I'm trying to remember when I first met you. I don't remember too clearly because I feel like we had a lot of nights where we had dinner and then went out for drinks and karaoke. <laughs> Sounds about right. So this could have been one day, but could have been 99 other days. Okay. Well, let's go into this a little more. So not about me, you know, I could talk about myself <laughs> all day. I'm not going to do that. So. 
you're in how did you land in to busan like like were you dabbling between different schools in korea did you have preferences i want to go to busan or like how do we get there first so i definitely had a preference for seoul or busan they are korea's two biggest cities and as much as i'm pretty flexible and low maintenance i do want to stay in a bigger city um i visited seoul for a week before and as nice as it is i am definitely a busan girl through and through um i already live in a big city i came from a big city and seoul is fun but i just felt like it was so fast-paced and there was nothing that I couldn't find back home. I mean, there was, but just Busan was a whole different thing. Living next to the ocean, it was so beautiful. And yeah, I basically told a recruiter that I Busan would be my top choice. And if not, then Seoul. Um, and, and yeah, she kind of came to me with this job and I did everything pretty last minute. So I was pretty lucky to land um, in such a good location to begin with. And that's how I met the other people on a Facebook page through the ITA Facebook page, actually. Shout out. Yep. <laughs> and everyone was posting about the school and I like kind of stalked them on Facebook and then I DM'd all of them on Instagram or Facebook and was like, oh my gosh, I think we're coworkers. And that's how it all started. Nice. So you get to Busan and stuff. And so just like, what was it? Because I think you know, every person that goes to Korea, I mean, with any job, everyone has their own experience. How was it? at your school and like how what was life your life like in korea you know your work life balance your just 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 everything korea Oof, that one is a tough one because i love korea so much like there was so much to do even though we couldn't travel outside of korea i just felt like i was having a new adventure every weekend and and you know that too you were there for much longer than me and yeah still has so many adventures but I will say the reason why I left was most likely the work-life balance. And I know a lot of people will say like, oh, maybe if you had stayed longer and gotten a different job, it would be a little bit different. But I feel that there's not many boundaries between your professional life and your personal life there. Like if something goes wrong, your bosses text you at like 10 p.m. And I mean, here, even in my corporate job, someone will send me a late email or maybe a late text for like an emergency or something. And that's fine. But they usually don't get upset if I don't reply. But I felt like in Korea, it was just this constant, like you're never truly shut off from your job. Um, right. And I was a kindergarten teacher, but I was working 10 hour days, which is kind of insane because I don't often work 10 hour days, even in my job here. And I definitely get compensated a lot more. Um, so yeah, that I love my kids and I love working with kids and teaching there. But I will say the work-life balance was what really took me away. Um, but regarding the kids, now that is a whole different topic. So what's interesting for me was that in my classes, um, I had two kindergartners that were actually from the Uni United States. So their dads were um, Major League Baseball players. Major League, right? Sorry, you're the sports guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so they played for the Latte Giants. I won't name names, but essentially we had two American kids. And then they were the same age as the Korean kids as well. But... The biggest thing for me was the first day we all used scissors. Um, I've worked as a preschool teaching assistant before and none of the kids knew how to use scissors. You know, you get them these safety scissors and you kind of hold their hands and like guide them through for a few weeks before you actually let them like cut anything. But every single Korean kindergartner there knew how to use scissors. And they were like cutting circles, they were cutting zigzags and I was like, what do I even teach here? Like, <laughs> there's no point in having me teach. And then we have our two little American kids and they literally did not know like what finger to put in what hole. And the Korean, my Korean co-teacher looked at them and was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm like, what, what's going on? They're like, they're like this is so dangerous. I'm like, yeah, it's dangerous. Like you're just handing them real scissors right here. <laughs> um, what? Yeah, so I think, 
that was the biggest thing. And parents in Korea are just so much more involved in, you know, early education and like practicing and involving their kids at home. Um, yeah, those are some of the biggest differences that I noticed. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, especially what you're saying with the work-life balance and where it really, I think the school that I was at, you know, when, when you clocked that you're done, like there wasn't, but like with you guys, I noticed, cause I did spend, you know, a month at your, or two months, I guess at your oh, school. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we gotta talk about that. But it was more like yours was that horror story kind of thing where it's like, you're going to Korea, not for like necessarily like an advancement of your teaching career, it's more an experience. And then when that line is crossed and it's like, oh, well this is like an actual like work, work, work thing. Like then it becomes a different, because I remember telling Pearly, like I remember she, she was talking about leaving. You know, it was just it became like a very, I'm not gonna say toxic, but like it just it was, I don't know, too much. Like what you're saying, right? Yeah, and I don't want to set the precedence to like anyone who's listening that wants to teach abroad to think that it's just like a vacation experience or anything. Like you're going there to work, and I expect it to work, um, just as I have done in the U.S. But just really prepare yourself for the different work cultures. Like when you're in Asia, I think the expectations are a little bit different and teachers are seen differently as well. You know, like school life and hagwon life, or I guess the hagwons are private tutoring centers. So usually all kids like enroll in a hagwon, um, which are after school programs, um, whether it's for tutoring or sports, et cetera. But yeah, their entire youth revolves around education and preparing themselves for like real life. So, I mean, definitely mentally prepare yourself. Your first job most likely won't be your best one. Um, and I came in there expecting to work hard, but I guess giving it a try after a year and three months, that was kind of it for me. <laughs> no, I mean, it makes sense. You know, if, if it just, yeah left a bad taste in your mouth with some of the, the the cultural work cultural differences kind of thing so yeah so we could talk about so i did spend two months at their school and i actually inherited katie's uh class so she passed her little 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 ones on to me <laughs> oh my god i missed them so much literally when you were teaching them i was so jealous like every day i was like i hate matt i hate him so much why did he come <laughs> um, yeah it was so funny <laughs> Yeah, it was so interesting. So my then boyfriend also worked there for a little bit. I just felt like we were bringing in everyone into the party. <laughs> you were you're like, hey, we're here. Come, come, come work with us. And yeah, you just set the precedent. So we all came through. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, we definitely trauma bonded there. Maybe that's why we're all still so close. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, y'all went through more than I did. I just came in at the end, but that's where you guys established that friend group, and I'm the outsider with y'all. But yeah, <laughs> no, you're not an outsider anymore. You're definitely we're we're a friend group now. All right. <laughs> right, right. So I passed the initiation, the hazing. I'm in now. Yeah, um, I don't know if we had an in, a proper initiation yet, but maybe next time we're all in the same country. That's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> so. Let's go into what is it like to, from your experience, to live in Korea? You know, like you, you talked about the work. You said you loved it, Korea. What did you love about it? What was different about Korea back home? Little things. What, what, what was it like to live there? Yeah, of course. So I think that in Asia in general, even though they work really hard, they definitely have that work hard, play hard mentality, right? So I, I just think that like entertainment, food, um, travel, everything, like, it's so people-centric. There's something to do for everyone. Like whether you like to binge drink and go partying on the weekends, or you like hiking, you like cute cafes, um, dating culture, single culture, there's literally everything to offer in Korea. Um, I will say that since I, when I lived there, it was the peak of COVID. So definitely I didn't get to go to any like any big concerts, didn't get to go clubbing or do any of the things that the people that are there now get to do, which is super fun as well. I, I think that, you know, what they're doing now looks really fun on their stories. But in a way, I actually really like that I was there during peak COVID. Um, because interesting. <laughs> I know it's very interesting, but, you know, um, living in Chicago, it's it's not as fast paced as New York, but still definitely fast paced, um, big city vibes. 
But in Korea during COVID, I just felt like I got to experience like a sleeping giant almost. Um, you know, like there's so much to do there, but because tourists were limited and people were kind of staying in, um, I just felt like I got to see things without the hustle of the people. And at some points it was sad, like if you go to Seoul and you went to Myeongdong during the peak of COVID, a lot of businesses were closed and that was sad to see. But I spent more time like road tripping and seeing islands. When we went to Namhae together, that was literally so beautiful and there weren't many people there. So we got to do a lot of wholesome activities. Um, but yeah, I I loved it. I I might have, I regret a little bit not staying longer just to see what things were like post COVID, but it was kind of like a quaint little fever dream for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so crazy, though, like what you're saying, because literally Korea, what it was before Korea, what is after we were just there at that weird, awkward time where it's like no normalcy where, you know, clubs and stuff like I'm sure what it was like before is like what it's like now kind of thing. We were just in there and that awkward, like, what is this kind of thing? And so our Korea is different than literally anyone else's Korea unless you had been to there at that time. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. But I'm honestly, I feel a little bit lucky that I fell into that little gap just because we were only able to really be close friends with like really small circles, which is another reason why I think that, you know, like that group is so close to this day. Um, and I'm not going to lie, this sounds bad, but hotel prices, because there were no tourists, were so cheap. Um, I felt like everything I did was such low cost while I was there. And I mean, I did feel bad that, you know, the economy was not doing great because of that. But hey, things are booming now. Everyone's going to Korea. So it's okay to have that time. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> so let's go into um, the food because I know you are uh, a foodie and I can attest to that. We'll <laughs> drop your Instagram at there at the end. But so how was it that you had had Korean food before? I, I think you said you've been around Koreans before back in Chicago. What was the food scene like different in Korea versus at home? What were some of your favorites? Oh, my God. Okay, so I went to high school in Park Ridge, Illinois. And I think that Glenview, Illinois is very close by, but there's a very big Korean population and community there. So definitely I tried like, like a a huge variety of Korean foods before even going to Korea. Um, but I will say that maybe it's my upbringing and I also had a stay at home mom. So I was really lucky in the sense that I always had a different home cooked meal for like every meal, three meals a day. Um, so I'm a little bit spoiled in that sense. And going to China for three months at a time, you know, like I definitely, I eat a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, in Chinese culture, you know, like food is very much, or I think in Asian culture in general, food is very much the center for socialization. Like you answer a call, your parents, your family, it's not like, oh, how are you doing? The first question is always like, oh, like, did you eat yet? Because that's their way of saying like, oh, like, like, are you taking care of yourself? How are you? You know, um, that's their way of showing affection. So that's, I think that's where like my foodie side came out, but going to Korea, oh my God, the, like, I can't even explain how many food influencers, how many food places. And like, you would think that very Instagrammable places do not taste good, but everything was good. I was not disappointed ever. Um, I think it all started with me running past this this hashtag on Instagram that's matchip, um, and it's a Korean hashtag. And I started looking through it, and I was like, "Whoa! Like these places look really good, but are they actually like? Is it just for clout?" But every place I hit, it was so good, and I was like, "I was like, I need to create like something where I can just remember all of these things so I can revisit them." And that's where me and my then partner, but like now friend, um, were like, we should create an Instagram called One Munch List. Things that you want to munch on one more time. <laughs> hey yeah, so I started creating reels and um, Instagram posts. And it did garner quite some activity when I first started. 
But I will say that moving back to Chicago, like with a full-time job now, unfortunately, I don't have as much time for it. But yeah, Korea, everything is Instagrammable. Everything's super tasty, um, super affordable compared to any big city in America. Like, oh, yeah. I think I could get like a steak dinner there for the price of like a sweet green salad here, unfortunately. It's, it's bad. Yeah, understand. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to do a collab with you so bad when we were in Korea, but it's okay. We'll do it here in Chicago. <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get that one munch list back online because, you know, for all y'all listening, it was really good content. You know, you made things. I mean, the food looked good anyways, but, you know, you're, you're, your style and the reels and it was great and you had gone to so many places that again it's like okay let's hit up katie like where should we go because we're easy we, <laughs> we just you know, follow wherever i mean we you know we're not foodies like you but we are like where we eating but you were like the source of of many you know inspiration to, to go to wherever we'll go for eating and so like you know i appreciate that and so what is your number one let's do number one place you ate and the number one food you ate in korea Oh my gosh, this is really hard. I was not expecting I know, that. It's not a lightning round, so you can take a second if you need. It's hmm. not lightning. I will say my number one food place, I don't know the name of it actually. So it was a block, actually two blocks away from my apartment in Minam, and they had Gaibi Tang. So Gaibi Tang is um, a beef short rib soup. And in it, it's just like a, it's a very simple broth with beef short ribs and clear noodles served with rice. Um, oh. It always came out like bubbling hot. Did Pearly ever take you there? Yes, because it, it, was, it was a quick little walk from the apartment, right? Yeah, and there's like a nice little old lady that works there. Yeah, yeah. because you <laughs> said that. Yes, oh my gosh. Like, I felt like whether I was celebrating or I had a really hard day, I would always go there to eat. And... Um, the old lady was so at first she was very um she didn't know how to deal with us because i don't think many foreigners go to to this place but more and more foreigners started showing up in that area probably because that franchise school was there and it's like so big now um but but yeah she was so friendly and maybe that's why it made the meal better it felt like i almost had like my own grandma there cooking food for me um she would like always teach us korean she would always like we were just very close she even like i remember wiley like he would try to order and he would say it wrong and she would smack him on the shoulder and be like no <laughs> um but yeah that was i think i ate there at least like two or three times a week <laughs> that was my top place I mean, it was good. I mean, it, you know, it was just, it was so good. And, you know, on, on the walk from the apartment to school, there was just so many little spots that you could just pop on in and, you know, eat something new. And yeah, it was, it was a nice area, a lot, a lot more lively than the area that I lived in. So I was, yeah. to, I was happy to spend two months in that area. You never came out my way, did you? Um, You lived in Myeongji, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I was not super attracted to Myeongji. I was like, if he wants to hang out, he can come out to us. <laughs> You know what? It's it, okay. There are many reasons why it sucked living in Myeongji. Okay, it was it was a new area. It was you know all that stuff, but it was never a selling point. Like, hey, anyone want to come hang out with me? No. Well, <laughs> like, if you're gonna hang out with us, you come to us. And it's like, okay, I live literally in the worst. Like, you know, it was a great area, but it's just again, and so many friends meeting in Korea never came out my way. So <laughs> the only people I ever hosted were like the coworkers and people within that area. So shame on you for not coming. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I, I think Pearly had mentioned sometimes, like, oh, like, we should go out to Myeongji with Matt. And you even showed me pictures of, like, the sunset in that area. Beautiful. But also, I was like, wow, that's a really far commute. <laughs> so sorry, Matt. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, you know, I didn't have the metro. I had to take a bus across the river to get to Hadan to get on the metro. But you know what? I did this to myself. I'm so dumb. When they say, oh, you got a job in Busan, they give me the school. Why don't I look it up? <laughs> Who does that? Um, You, apparently. A simple search, like Myeongji. All you got to do is type it in. In my mind, it's like, oh, Busan. But it's a big city. Like, So I did it to myself. But I mean. Okay, honestly, it blows my mind that you survived this far. I was listening to your first podcast with Pearly. You're talking about how you can't even cook eggs. Like, 
you don't look up the school that you were assigned to like what if you were just getting kidnapped like what <laughs> Wasn't smart. Wasn't, wasn't smart. Oh my gosh. And another survival story. Do you remember when we went to Namhae and you were trying to retrieve your sunglasses? Let's fire that story up because if that hadn't, yeah, that was scary. You, you're the storyteller. Okay. The most traumatizing event in, in Korea for me was Matt, Curly, Kevin, um, one of our friends and I were visiting Namhae and we're like standing on this cliff, I guess. There's like this, I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not a coaster. I'm not on the east coast or the west coast. I don't know how you refer to that. Is there a name for those cliffs? We'll just say cliff. I don't know. Just hey, sure, it's a cliff. It's a. It's a short cliff. There's a little drop off into the ocean. The waves weren't that bad, right? And we're trying to take um, a video with Matt's drone, and he left his sunglasses close to the ledge, and he was wearing these slides. And let me tell you, these slides are. <laughs> They're pretty far gone from wearable. They're kind of like ripped a little bit. And sorry for calling you out, man. But <laughs> yeah, please. Um, but he left his sunglasses near the ledge. So he's just like going to get them. We're all casually just like taking in the scenery. There's some other um, Korean tourists near us. And like, and Pearly, Kevin, and I are all Asian. So, you know, like you can usually. I mean, I guess Korean, a lot of Korean people can tell that we're not Korean, but from afar, you know, like you can't really tell. So Matt's the, really the only person that stands out. He's just this tall white dude wearing slides, going to retrieve his sunglasses. And he has a drone of all things. And suddenly he's, he's right on the ledge and this huge wave, literally like this, this 10 foot wave out of nowhere. And I can't even say anything i literally didn't like we all froze and matt doesn't realize it because his back is to the water and all i could utter like i just could only get out like matt hold on to the rock and you looked at me with this face like this clueless face and you were like huh and i was like hold on to the rock and this wave crushes him and i'm just thinking like oh my god i can't swim kevin can't swim I, I, I guess Pearly can swim, but what, what do we do if his body is like smashing against the rocks? Like, do we even have a chance of rescuing him? And all the Korean tourists were just like pointing and like, like, oh my god, like, oh my, look at that! <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And and somehow miraculously, like, he's still standing there with his rip slides, like, not holding on to anything but his sunglasses, and he he does not get flushed out, luckily. And yep, that's the most traumatizing story of my time in Korea. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, it was like, had that wave been like more wave like, I think it was like a sissy wave, but like it, it got me. And like, thankfully, it didn't wipe me off my feet. I mean, it didn't have to get my whole body, but if it wiped off my feet, I'd hit my head on the ground or whatever. Like, that could have been it. Yeah. That was scary. I just remember all of us on the car ride back, we were all pretty silent taking that in. And I'm just so glad nothing happened. <laughs> I mean, it was. And do you, okay, we forgot to talk about this part, but do you remember I left my sunglasses, you know, down on the beach. And so we had taken our drone video and I said to y'all like, yo, I gotta get my sunglasses, just watch the drone. And remember I left y'all with the drone and it's just flying there. I gave it to Kevin and it's like, he's never flown the drone. I'm like, but just, just do this, I gotta go. And so I read, and it's just so foolish. Like what if something happened? Y'all don't know how to do the drone. So I'm like down the cliff trying to get my sunglasses. You just have my drone. <laughs> I remember because the drone was floating and it was like literally on the side of a mountain. It was so windy. And I'm like, if this thing blows away, I literally like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't just jump out there and grab it. And I was like, I really wish he had landed it first, but whatever. He gave the remote to Kevin, not me. <laughs> it was so full. Kevin was like, what do I do with this? What happened? I'm just like, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm going to get my, my, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Priorities. Cool. Priorities. It wasn't wasn't my best day i mean you know almost got killed you know just being and then the slides those slides yeah you know i'll tell you this i don't know if it was those slides but it was some slides i got from korea you know i brought them to turkey and it came to the point where pearly and i were hike not hike well i would hike with them i would which is goofy, that's but crazy <laughs> we were on this old like city this beautiful city and it was like cobblestone but there were all these like chips and stuff like wooden like not chips um what's the word um Boats? okay when you, 
Okay, like mulch, mulch, like sharp mulch, oh. and like things. They would go through the um the slide and get my foot, and it, just, it kept happening where it's like, oh my god, I can't walk down this thing because every step I would take, things would go through it, and it hurt so bad. I mean, yeah, that's what happens when you wear like like five dollar slides to go hiking. I mean, haven't you learned your lesson? There's been so many scenarios. Yeah, right. Sorry, it just took me two different countries and, you know, hurting myself to understand. But, you know, that's how I learn things, okay? Guys, and, and those slides, he would play them off as Adidas slides because they had the three white stripes. <laughs> They're actually from, what, Daiso? <laughs> Why are you coming for me? They're Adidas. They weren't $5. They're like 50 Leave it alone. <laughs> 50 mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that you... You were probably like every time they saw it, like, like just had to call me out, like, oh, those aren't Adidas, so, like telling people. I mean, it was probably, I was like, okay, just let me have my moment. It's the three stripes, allow it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm the one that was like, oh, are those like Adidas slides? And Pearly was like, no, they're from Daiso. She answered that so quick. <laughs> she wouldn't let me have it, and it's like, what does it matter, Pearly? Like. If I say they're from Adidas, does it affect you? Let me have my moment, you know? Like, wait, so did you buy another pair to go to Turkey or were those the same pair from when we went to Namhae? I'm thinking it was the same pair because I like they lasted a long time. That was the point. Cause like in Turkey, like they were worn and that's why it, things kept going through. Like, and that's where, you know, I had to buy a new one out in Turkey, but it was, it, it, I'm sure it's the same one. It had to be. I don't think I bought two in Korea. You know what? I, I like your sustainability. Good for you. Big, uh, you know, Mr. Green over here. Like, yeah, what what an ordeal. And did you hear about the one time I I forgot? Okay, remember in Korea, a big thing with when you go into school, you have your slippers, right? So I left my, I, I put into my, my school slippers, like it's the one that the school gave, like with their logo on it. Like they, they weren't like big or anything. I remember this. I I forgot to change my shoes, like, because I was running to get into a taxi to go to the airport because I was going to Seoul. So I go to Seoul with the school's shoes, these rubber, like, goofy things. So I'm, like, walking around Seoul, clanking around. It's like, well, I'm not going to buy new shoes. I'm only here for two days. Like, allow it. And it's just, I'm, I look like a fool. And, you know, I guess, you know, Hagwan's school spirit, but, like, what? Okay, yes. Yeah, so I did want to talk about... I know you had mentioned, um, so what was life, you wanted to talk about this, life in Korea being Asian American? What what was some things that you saw, some, I don't know, expectations, just if you want to dive into that? Yeah, it was really interesting, even from the beginning of my job search. You know, a lot of recruiters, some of them didn't even want to work with me. Um, but way from the beginning, they're like, it's going to be harder for you to find a job just because you're... You're Asian American, you know, it's not exactly the look that they're going for, um, which sounds really off-putting to some people. But honestly, in the end, I understand because I'm working for the private sector and parents are paying a lot of money for their kids to go to these schools. So I think it's not only, you know, about learning the language, but getting exposure to people that look a little bit different from them as well. Um, but I will say that it will... It was a little bit easier for me than it was for um, my friend Kevin, because um, Kevin is not only Asian, but he is male as well. So a lot of places were not even talking to him. So I think that was where the difficulties began. But once we got to Korea, um, a lot of people assumed that I was Korean. So, you know, when you see someone like yourself, like, you know, just a white guy <laughs> they typically already expect that you don't speak korean you might need some help with some things uh sometimes it's even easier to make friends um there's pros and cons to looking different you know but for me i felt like um people just assumed that i spoke korean um i mean eventually when they learned that i wasn't a lot of them were willing to help but i think the scariest thing i don't want to say scary because i don't want to paint a bad picture for people but there were a lot of statements saying, you know, COVID originated from China and I am Chinese. So even in my school, they didn't introduce me as of Chinese descendant. Um, they said that I was from Hong Kong. 
Um, and my boss even told me, like, if people ask, you should say that you're from Hong Kong and not from China. I mean, not that I am from China, but, um, yeah, which was interesting. And I wasn't offended by the comment. I know he was just trying to, in a way, protect me. Um, but yeah, I definitely did feel like there were moments when people found out I wasn't Korean. They would immediately be like, oh, like, where are you from? And I would say America. And they'd be like, no, no, where are you really from? Which is a statement you think you get a lot in the US. But I actually face that anywhere I go, which I think is, you know, what happens when you're a child of immigrants, you grow up as American as you can be. But at the same time, you don't really belong here or there. So um, did you feel though, that this was an everyday thing kind of like that you I don't know, like, because I guess people thought you were Korean, so they would speak to you in Korean. And then did you have any negative experiences when, you know, like, oh, I don't speak Korean, like, maybe not negative, but just, I mean, I know you saw a lot. Yeah, I think it was a mixture, you know, um, it was pretty 50-50. Some people, right when I tell them I'm not Korean, they would get very excited and be like, oh my gosh, like, where are you from? And I would have to, with a very little Korean I knew, explain to them that, like, I grew up in America, but I'm ethnically, like, Chinese. Um, and then definitely, I think more so in Seoul, there would be moments where people would be like, oh, if you're not Korean, like, are you Filipino? Are you Thai? Are you Vietnamese? And there's a very large population of, I guess, labor immigrant workers that are from those ethnic minorities. Um, and I did feel like they would treat me a little bit different, almost as if I was like a lower class. But soon after, they would find out I was an English teacher and their attitude would change a little bit. But you know, you kind of deal with those people anywhere you go. So that's that. Yeah, thank you for the, for that insight. So I did want to discuss, because we don't have a ton of time I'd before our little lightning round, get ready for that. But have you experienced any reverse culture shock? You know, you did spend a year in another country and you got, you know, accustomed to life in another country, different, the culture aspect, the convenience or lack of convenience, whatever Korea had, where you come back to America, where it's like, oh, like I'm American, but like this is you know, like I'm used to this because I was gone for, you know what I mean? Any reverse culture shock workplace or at home coming back to the US? I mean, oh yeah, of course. First of all, workplace, it was like, I forgot what a healthy work-life balance was. Um, my, even my managers now will be like, oh, like what's going on in life? Like, how's your dating life? And like, oh, did this happen? Maybe you should like take some time off and rest or something. Oh my gosh, time off was not a thing in Korea. Like, there was one time I got food poisoning and I went to the hospital for three class periods and I went right back to teaching. Um, so definitely that was a huge shock for me because I got so used to this toxic environment. And then suddenly I had these managers were like, oh, you should take some time off. Like, oh, are you telling? Like, am I fired right now? No, right? <laughs> um, and then I think some things that were hard, harder to get used to were actually the smaller mannerisms. So in Korea, you kind of bow to everyone. When you hand over a credit card, you use both hands. If you're receiving a gift, you use both hands, you bow a little bit. It's just a lot of like respect-based things. And nowadays, like my coworkers will walk by my desk and give me a fist bump and like grab one of my goldfish right off my desk. And I'm like, I'm like crazy, crazy. <laughs> yeah, just the little things. And what about... Like, because the big thing with me with the Korea, I mean, also, I, I'm not, I'm from outside Baltimore. I'm not from the city. So I don't, I mean, you live in Chicago now, but like the, the, the concept of public transportation, like it would be very difficult because I, you know, rural area for me to get anywhere without a car. So the convenience of like the Busan Metro, okay, yeah, it's, it's a lot bigger than Baltimore, but just like any convenience things that Korea had that where you're back in the US, you're like, wait, we don't do this? Like what? Okay, I will say that Chicago also is pretty good with public transportation. Um, it's disgusting, but it's good. <laughs> um, like it, it smells horrible. It's disgusting. Sometimes it's not very dependable, but it's there. And it's much better than most other cities other than New York, probably. Um, and this Boston is really good, too. But, oh, my God. The thing I miss most is Kupang Eats. 
So we have DoorDash, we have Uber Eats, whatever, man. I ordered a bubble tea for $22 the other day. Treat yourself, right? <laughs> Excuse me, is that treating yourself or is that extortion? $22? Yes. You know, sometimes you're just having a really bad day and you just really want something and you're desperate. So the bubble tea is probably around 6 or $7, which is already pretty expensive compared to America. But then you have the service fee, the delivery fee, you've got to tip the person. So, yep. That's the story of my $22 boba, whereas in Korea, I can literally, I don't know if you were there for this, but we ordered Korean barbecue with all the side dishes, with soup, with rice, everything, and it fed, I think it fed about six or seven people, and it cost $65. I know, like, th- like uh, what? there wasn't a delivery fee, right? Or if it was, it was very low, right? I remember when there was a delivery fee, it would be like one or two thousand won, which equates to like what seventy five cents to a dollar eighty. Yeah, max. Like, that is a huge call. Co- okay, so I guess well, I don't. Okay, I don't have like access to like delivery apps in my town or whatever. But I remember being in California and just th- all the fees you said. You there was like a city tax, the California tax, the delivery fee, and this and that. It's like this is more than when I'm going going to what i'm ordering like i'm not doing that and you're right like the korea turkey too like turkey didn't even have a delivery fee you know sometimes they did but it was you know very small so it's like why can't the u.s like why can't why is it like this like i i like ordering yes in the u.s i don't (laughs) yeah and especially because so i i am like active in the dating scene right so every time we go out i go on a first date sometimes guys will want to go to like a fancy like restaurant or something and sometimes i look at the bill and it's closing in on 200 dollars, and i'm literally like what do we eat like what is this whereas in korea i think for 200 dollars we could have fed like a like a party of 10 people um it's just insane to me the differences like i i barely bought groceries in korea just because it was so affordable to eat out um but here Every meal averages about like twenty to twenty-five dollars. So your girl is eating at home. <laughs> I mean, you have to. It, it's you're right. Like Korea, it was like cheaper to eat out than it was to do groceries, which is a crazy concept. But okay, so we only have a, a few few minutes. So I just want to quickly go into our lightning round. I wanted to give you the rules because some people just don't understand it. I'm gonna ask you a question. You fire me up with the answer right away. I don't want like before. Oh, it's a hard question. I get that. It's a lightning round. Just give me what comes to mind, okay? All right, I'll try my best. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, firstly, how many countries have you been to? Seven. Okay, out of those seven countries, what is the country represented with the best food? Oh my god, you're killing me. <laughs> um. Oh no, this is the first one. You gotta fire me up. China. China. Okay. What's the country with the best overall views, all considered? South Korea. South Korea. What's the country with the best vibes? You can repeat if you want. All just the vibes. Taiwan. Taiwan. Okay. Now, what is the... Let's go to American cities. What's the city, the American city, number one food? LA. (laughs) LA. American city, number one views. Like Denver. Denver. American city number one vibes. Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. So through and through. Through and through. What is the number one food you've ever had? It can be, you know, in 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 the US, uh travel, whatever. Just that one dish, like, oh my God, yeah, this is why we eat. Oh my god, that's such a tough one. Um Okay, it has to you have to realize that this is a recent obsession for me. But in Chicago, there is a Michelin Guide restaurant in Chinatown. It's called MCCB. And they have, I think I think everything is very much suited for my taste buds. They're salt and pepper tofu. They have this giant roast fish dish. It's literally bigger than me. Um, and usually we share it between like four people. They have these chili oil dumplings. Um, I, I think that is currently my number one. We'll take that. Okay, okay. So I would love to go there when I come to Chicago. So number one view in the world. In the world. Um, in China, there is this city called Zhangjiajie. It's 
quite a mouthful. Um, but that's what the first Avatar movie was based on, those sandstone pillars. And so I went there while I was backpacking with a friend and it literally felt like I left this earth and I was like in heaven or something. That's one of those. That's why we travel. Okay. I'm going to check that out. So last few, what is the best airline you've ever been on? Oh, it has to be like Korean Air or Oceana. Um, Korea just does it right. <laughs> okay. They're nice. And with that, what's the worst airline you've ever been on? I think I know your answer, but let's hear it. Uh, Frontier Airlines. <laughs> Frontier. Okay. I know Frontier or Spirit. Yeah, they're trash. Okay, honestly, Spirit has always gotten me to point A and point B. Frontier at this point literally was like, the plane weighs too much. We're going to slowly start kicking off people by when they checked in last. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> that happened? Yeah, yeah. They were just, they slowly started putting people's names up on a board. And I just felt like I was like on the chopping block or something. Oh my gosh. Like, what? Okay. So don't take Frontier. This is not a shout out mm -hmm. to them. And then my last thing, do you have any final words for the people about travel, life, anything, just a, a closing remark? I think that if you are fresh out of college and you're listening to this, or you're not fresh out of college, um, and you want to move abroad, remember that I did it in the middle of a random workday, and you will not regret it, and you're even though it feels like everyone is going to keep moving forward without you, you're going to go back. And if you don't like being abroad, you can go back, pick up right where you left off, but you will never, you don't get your years back, you know, just do it and you won't regret it. Amen. Some great words from a great person. So where can people find you this, this travel account, whatever, how can we find you to get food wrecks, anything? Yeah, so my Instagram is QTKatie, and my food Instagram is One Munch List. <laughs> one Munch List. All right, so we'll be putting these both in the profile or the episode, and you know, I swear, ask this 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 woman if you've ever you know if you have recommendations for this city, this this whatever. She she probably has got you, or she knows someone that you know she's got the fire wrecks, and I can attest to that. I sure do. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, never stop making moves, eh? Yeah, come visit in Chicago soon. <laughs>